farming and fish. We're always talking about these together. And some people can be kind of skeptical. How, how does that go together? Farmers are more and more aware, especially here in Western Washington, especially here in Whatcom County, about the importance of fish and farming together. Restoring our salmon runs in particular and, and what role that has, what how that relates to farming with water, the connecting factor. And we got to protect our water resources. Why? To protect farming and to protect fish. It's important to both. And of course, there are a lot of stakeholders then, you know, the tribes, the farmers, the cities, the list goes on. And a new idea uh, on helping uh, fish recover. We've talked about a variety of things. You know, we've talked about uh, marine mammal predation uh, recently on the show and, and the problem with sea uh, lines and, and harbor seals in particular in Puget Sound and, and the dent that that's putting in what should be um, a restoring, a growing and improving um, run of, of Chinook salmon here, but why is that run continuing to decline? What's the problem? What are all the different factors? Of course, habitat, that's a big word we hear all the time. And that's something that farmers have been involved with now for decades is improving habitat. And where can we, uh, help improve the rivers that run through farmlands and the streams and the ditches and protect the water quality. And, and, you know, we talked recently with Eric Hurst, even here on the show about how we protect fish by using Using less water and and how to how does that work or making making sure that we're using water as efficiently and in the right ways as possible. Another idea though for helping improve what's happening with fish in our region is in the hatchery world. And I know there there's some disagreement in the fishing world about hatcheries versus wild fish, and I don't really intend to get into that debate at all right now, but the, the farming community really wants to see, regardless of what it takes, um, something that, that can help fish improve because they know that's good for everybody. Joining me right now with Bellingham Cold Storage, he's president and CEO, part owner as well, uh, Doug Thomas. Welcome to the program. Recently, you, you've been speaking publicly about a new plan for a hatchery basically on the waterfront in downtown Bellingham. And thanks for being able to chat with us on the, on the program this morning. G give, give me the lowdown. I, I, I missed all the details when you spoke at that forum a while back with common threads. I was out on the tractor and I wasn't able to listen for the, the period when, uh, when you were talking about the hatchery, I caught Paul Burrow later, which is great. And we followed up with him here on the show, but now it's, it's your turn. We want to follow what, what's this whole plan that you guys are working on? Yeah, thanks Dylan. Thanks for having me on. Uh, happy to talk about it and, and, uh, bring you up to speed as much as I can. Uh, we've been working on this uh, this notion of going out after the best in class hatchery uh, model uh, over the last three or four years. And to that end, what I've done is uh, I travel to Alaska for a lot of our seafood customers every year to to say hello and thank them for their business and see what's coming and and whatnot. And uh, along my travels, oftentimes I would stop in Juneau to see the Dipak Hatchery there, um, which in fact is one of the best in the world. And uh, we're taking uh, a small group, probably 10 or 12 folks again this summer, 
July 16th, 17th, and 18th to Juneau to visit and tour the facility and speak to the Alaska uh, Department of Fisheries director, uh, who will give us a kind of a dissertation on how it works up there. And, um, and then we'll bring that knowledge back again. What we're suggesting to the state of Washington is to adopt, at least on a pilot basis, a hatchery program or a hatchery um, model that would mirror the DIPAC hatchery in Juneau. And it's, it's similar in many ways, but it's quite different in other ways. And in those ways that it's quite different, um, one is that it is a self-sustaining hatchery operation whereby uh, they exercise or, or uh, implemented the cost recovery uh, program for hatcheries, whereby the return, the returning fish is um, uh, received and harvested and sold um, to the benefit of the hatchery who produced the fish in the first place. And that's a distinctly different model than the state of Washington, where taxpayers pay for the cost of operating hatcheries, and 100% of the funding for that comes from taxpayers. Um, under the Alaska model, the funding comes from the hatchery itself. And so it's a self-sustaining model, and what it does is it, it provides the ability for the hatchery to have a much ro more robust and uh, viable uh, hatchery operation, whereby um, they're not trying to pinch pennies and run it on a shoestring. They're actually able to run it in a very robust way. Talking with Doug Thomas right now, president and CEO, part owner of Bellingham Cold Storage. Here on The Farming Show, Dylan Honkoop with you. Our sponsor this morning, by the way, Pepe Kenworth, uh, Pepe Kenworth Northwest, brand new location in uh, Bellingham on Iowa Street there. Thanks, for them for, uh, thanks to them for supporting our conversations about this uh, important stuff here on The Farming Show. Um, Doug, of course, uh, with Bellingham Cold Storage, you guys employ a lot of people. You work with a lot of seafood customers who store their you know, seafood that they harvest in your facility, as well as a lot of the farming community here locally, you know, storing berries and other things, uh, dairy products as well, in your facility there on the Bellingham waterfront. Um, so in a lot of ways, you're connected to this issue of fish in more than one way. Yeah, we've been, right. we've been hearing about a lot about this when at least I have, the more I get connected in the farming world, as well as, as the fish recovery world about, well, they do it so well up in Alaska. It's totally different here in Washington state. Uh, Washington state needs an overall, this is kind of what you're getting at with the differences in the hatchery systems, right? Well, there, there's, there's the funding piece. And, and I'll say this, the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife, uh, who, who are substantially responsible for most hatcheries in the state, the state hatcheries certainly, um, are doing the best job they possibly can with the resources and staff that they have. Mm -hmm. But the challenge is they don't have enough resources. And, and so this Alaska model provides for a, um, a scenario where um, the the fishery uh, that is around the returning salmon coming back as a result of that hatchery um, supports that hatchery uh, in its operating overhead costs and its ongoing capital needs uh, for capital improvements like new roofs and new concrete and new whatever they need right. um, uh, for for the for the coming years. And it's been a it's been a wildly successful. Um, 
model up there. As a matter of fact, the DIPAC hatchery in Juneau in 2017 um, utilized just 17% of the returns to cover all of their costs. And the, wow. the, the balance of their fishery, 83% of that, was then available for the common property fishery for for uh you know the the tribal fisheries the uh non-tribal fisheries the sports fishermen and certainly as a as a byproduct of this um proposal that we're putting forward uh the southern resident orcas would benefit dramatically from it because uh, they they need a certain amount of feed and and their their percentage of the feed that would come uh, out of the hatchery operation would be a small percentage, but it'd be very meaningful and it'd be a very convenient and complimentary side effect of, of having a robust hatchery in Whatcom County. Well, as a taxpayer in Washington state, I like the sound of this because it gets frustrating when, okay, you know, a state program is, is short of money. The, the philosophy, underlying philosophy in Olympia always seems to be, well, we need to go back to the taxpayers for even more money. That's not mm-hmm. the philosophy at all here. Uh, this is, in fact, turning that on its head. So I like the financial sustainability element of it. But practically, how does this work with a fish? How does it work with a facility? What would it look like? You're talking about something on the waterfront in Bellingham? Yeah, we're, we're working very closely with the Port of Bellingham, uh, who's been very supportive of the project. They've got a couple of different sites that we're, we're noodling around right now on, in the Whatcom Waterway area. Um, Which is kind of right down by like the end of Holly Street. Yep, the old right. GP property. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. Yep. And... Um, and so uh, we would have the primary hatchery onshore, and then uh, one of the one of the differences in the Alaskan model is is that they have remote release sites. So uh, imagine hypothetically that we identified through best available science um, and fisheries biologists and um, you know uh, stream technicians and that kind of thing that showed that there was a freshwater creek hypothetically on Orcas Island that is currently not serving any native stocks so no mm-hmm. stocks of native uh, salmon or anything are returning to that stream but it's a year-round stream and it could be on Lopez or San Juan or Orcas or Cypress or whatever but let's just say it's on Orcas uh, for this instance um, and it is uh, it is suitable for imprinting that stream's scent on that fish. What we'd do is we'd raise the salmon in the primary hatchery here in Bellingham, and then a portion of that salmon would be relocated by, by a tender vessel to a remote release site and put in uh, temporary uh, uh, net pens at that water source to be to have that water uh, be imprinted on that fish so that when it returns it comes back to that source and and the reason that they do that in Alaska is because they spread the pressure of that fishery out regionally so that not all of the fish return to one uh, hatchery where it just overwhelms the hatchery or the fishery or the feedstock or anything else. Which is what's happening with our current system here in Washington State? Well, not really, because right now we're only producing about 2 million uh, releases. Hmm. And and so what we'd like to do, one of the overarching goals of the uh, San Juan area Sea Life Organization is to restore salmon populations in the marine area seven or the san juan area um the salish sea if you will Mm -hmm. tonight to 1985 levels Mm -hmm. and 
And at that time, it was thought that there were around 40 million, um, 40 million eggs released to, to the greater uh, Area 7, uh, of which only a small percentage of those uh, survived the whole gauntlet of going out in the ocean and getting eaten by other, uh, other animals, seals and sea lions, as you spoke of earlier, and, and orca and uh, everything else and sports fishermen and commercial fishermen and, and whatnot. And then a, a small percentage of those make it back to the hatchery, but each one of those fish carry hundreds of eggs themselves. So that's how we sustain that whole process by harvesting the brood stock from the returning fish and then repeating the process over and over again. This is The but, Farming Show on KGMI News Talk 790. I'm Dylan Honkoop. Our guest right now, Doug Thomas. He's president and CEO, part owner as well of Bellingham Cold Storage, which has led him to be involved in this stuff with fish. Uh, but now he is also, uh, you, you guys have put together, you just mentioned that there briefly, you've put together this new nonprofit. You're the founding chairman of the uh, of the group called San Juan Area Sea Life, and area is an acronym. You're saying uh, for area research, education, and advancement. I- explain this organization and and how this is operating. Yeah, we we see this as a long term uh, initiative, in that um, in all likelihood um, uh, we're going to be going after research and education. Um, we're going to be going after the hatchery, certainly. But the other components are just as important in that uh, we want to use best available science. We don't want to overlap any existing wild stocks. We don't want to, um, uh, we want to be complementary of them so that we take pressure off those wild stocks rather than, um, you know, release at the same time or have, have different uh, species feeding on each other, if you will. Right. Um, the other, the other piece is, is that we know that, um, the Alaska model uh, suggests that it's probably 10 or 12, maybe 15 years from the time you first open the hatchery to the time where you have really meaningful returns coming back to the hatchery. So everyone on the committee knows that by the time this thing really gets some traction and is is producing returns to the point where we're really taking the burden off the state of Washington from a funding standpoint and where we're really seeing um, robust returns coming back into Marine Area 7, Maybe when we're all 75, 85, mm-hmm. 90, you know, we might not even be around when it actually uh, is successful. But so, so it's about the long haul. It is the long haul. And, and it's about uh, involving and engaging all of the stakeholders. We have uh, what I've done strategically over the last three years is each month I tried to bring in a new stakeholder. And we just tell them the story about what we're trying to accomplish. We have the Alaska model to, to point to as a, an example of that. And um, so we have folks on our committee and on our board uh, from the Sports Fishing Association, from commercial fishing, from education, K-12 through and higher ed as well. We have the City of Bellingham participating. We have the Port of Bellingham very active uh, we have Lummi Nation representation uh, at the committee. Um, we have the Wacom Tourism. Uh, Sandy Ward is there. Um, we have uh, we have uh, Drew Schmidt from San Juan uh, Cruises is on our board is is our board treasurer, and he's of course the whale watching interest. Yep. Uh, we have. Uh, we have interest from a number of different folks. We've been reaching out to Nooksack Salmon Enhancement Agency and Rachel uh, Vasek mm-hmm. and uh, 
And so we don't have anything to hide. It's very transparent. We're just trying to restore the health of the fishery back to 1985 levels. And we intend to use best available science to do it. Well, to take it back to the bottom line, I think everyone has come to the realization there are not enough fish. We need more fish. And yeah, a lot of people disagree on exactly what is the perfect way to go about doing that. But mm-hmm. I think everybody agrees we need more fish. So yeah. in some cases, that's made strange bedfellows, you know, people who don't normally get along. But but <laughs> yeah. the, the, the common goal I, I see more and more is bringing people together. And you talk about right. all these different players. I know a lot of those groups don't have a lot of things in common and may have um, vehemently disagreed with each other at times. But if they all agree we need more fish and we can practically work on something together about it, all of those players do need to be involved. Yeah, I know some people get frustrated about that. So, well, so-and-so, yeah. you know, why, I don't, we don't want to work with them. Well, to be able to get something done, that has to happen. What about the farming community? Can, can the farming community be involved with this? I really think they can. In fact, we have one of the, uh, one of the members of the committee is, uh, is uh, Marcus uh, Schumacher from Enfield Farms. Mm. And I, I've been, uh, encouraging him to come. I don't know if he's going to make it on the trip to Alaska. I think he's right in the middle of their busy season, yep. but, but, um, I think having, uh, agricultural representation is key because this, this, uh, one of my other motivations is because I'm trying to do something for the agricultural community and that we have a lot of fruit and vegetable and, 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 uh, and now dairy, uh, uh, customers here. I, I certainly also have seafood side of the business, but right. um, if we can take the pressure of the water situation off of our agricultural community by virtue of having a successful fishery restored, um, I think that makes that conversation a lot more uh, pleasant for everyone. That right there is so important and why the farming community needs to care about these issues. Whether fish are a big deal to you or not, and I say that they should be, but whatever, people have different views. Um, That is the key to all of it. Um, we're talking with Doug Thomas right now. He's president and CEO of Bellingham Cold Storage. He's also the founding chairman of this new group, San Juan Area Sea Life, um, working on this plan for a new hatchery, an Alaska-style uh, hatchery program based here in Whatcom County. Doug, I don't know how much time you have. I feel like there's a lot more we could get to. Are you able to stay on with me for another segment? You bet. Okay, stand by. We're going to take a quick time out, and then I want to come back uh, with you. Hey, we need to talk about some farming uh, as well (laughs) with Doug Um, and and what kind of fruit's coming into the cooler these days because I know things are ramping up there as well. Stay with us. Dylan Honkoop with you here on The Farming Show on KGMI News Talk 790. Back on The Farming Show, Dylan Honkoop here on KGMI. And if you just missed it, our, our guest this hour hit the nail on the head of why this stuff is so important. We're talking about we're talking about fish. Why is that important to farming? Why should the farming community care? And I have lots of reasons why I think the farming community should care. Mostly because I just think it's the right thing to do. 
but uh, we've been talking with Doug Thomas with Bellingham Cold Storage. He's uh, founded and is now chairman of this new uh, nonprofit locally that's working on a new, uh, uh, an Alaska-style new hatchery project, a potential pilot project, if they can get this going. He says he's in it for the long haul, something that would be based here in Whatcom County to really move the dial, so to speak, on recovering fish stocks and salmon stock in particular here in in the Puget Sound area. And Doug, you just said something that I think is so crucial for the farming community to hear and why the farming community needs to be plugged in to what you're doing and be supporting what you're doing and what's happening in general with fish recovery. Because you, you just said, if we can take the pressure off of that situation, which is of concern to tribes, to cities, to environmental groups, to the general population, to those concerned about orcas, uh, and to the farming community. If we can improve that situation, that will take pressure off of the farming community because that is something that is a big concern. What, what, what's the farming community going to do about this? This puts pressure on particularly water and water use. And, and for farming, that means irrigation. For those concerned about fish, that means fish habitat. Water equals fish habitat. So that's what this is about, not just for the farming community, but for doing the right thing for fish and for all these other communities. Is that summing that up the way that you see it? And, and how can we get more people from the farming world and other communities that this is important to plugged into this? Yeah, I think that's that's uh, it in a nutshell. Um, if if th this project has so many mutually complementary uh, beneficial outcomes, uh, it's why we have uh, so many different stakeholders involved that wouldn't normally be working with each other. Mm -hmm. um, we have folks that uh, uh, oftentimes just uh, are on the opposite side of yeah. of, of, uh, of an issue and and. This whole uh, initiative has seemed to galvanize everyone together. Well, I think just generally, anytime you see groups like that coming together, you know something is going on. Mm -hmm. you, you know there's some kind of momentum building that hasn't been, and it doesn't matter what the issue. So I think that's really neat to see the people that you're describing yeah. coming together around this. Now, and again, we're talking about um, the possibility as a pilot project that could happen that you're, you're pushing to, to see realized essentially it's probably somewhere on the waterfront in Bellingham. I'm a visual person. So before we get more into this, what would this look like? What, what, what's, is this the big building or what, what, yeah, what, what goes uh, into building and actually on the boots on the ground, making this happen? Yeah, there would be, um, there would certainly be a, a hatchery building, uh, with indoor, uh, features. There'd be, uh, outdoor features as well. And, um, there'd be a, you know, a, a fish ladder type raceway, um, there would be, uh, an ed we, we, we believe there'd be an educational component to it mm -hmm. whereby in, in Alaska, the Dipak hatchery, um, is the host of, uh, all of the fifth graders in the state of Alaska get wow. to go to the Dipak hatchery and learn about the salmon life cycle and the, the reason to keep your water clean and, and, uh, not, not pour stuff down the drain and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it, it, uh, it provides a, uh, a very nice community um, uh, showpiece for receptions and uh, public events and that kind of thing. They have an in, indoor touch tank and, and a pool 
we think maybe we could move the uh, the small touch tank uh, from the port facilities over to this complex. Mm. Um, and then it would have the tourism component whereby folks could come and uh, walk through the whole thing from one one end to the other, seeing the different uh, stages of, of the uh, the uh, fish life cycle. How does this fit in with the city of Bellingham's redevelopment long-term, you know, 50 year plus plan down there on the waterfront in Bellingham? Yeah, I think it fits in very nicely. Um, we have uh, Ted Carlson from the public works has been uh, the designated city representative on our, on our committee and, and Tara Sundin has been involved uh, a bit and certainly uh, uh, Mayor Kelly has been uh, supportive She's a, comes from a long line of uh, fisherman background, and it's interested just as all of us are in, in seeing this component of our community be restored. Um, what I'm I'm thinking about different hurdles. This is going to take a bunch of water, right? Where where does the water come from? How does that work? Yeah, good question. So, this site at the foot of Whatcom Creek is a unique site. It may be one that is um, not uh, not uh, found anywhere else in the in the region, and that is is that the uh, the old GP pipeline that ran down to apparently uh, debark the logs for, for the mill uh, is still in place and takes water from Lake Whatcom at its deepest, uh, cleanest, and coldest level. And that pipe used to produce about uh, or provide about 60 million gallons of water a day to the mill. The hatchery would need just a fraction of that. It would need about 2 million gallons of water a day, which water is necessary in a hatchery to run over the eggs during the incubation process so that they have fresh, clean uh, water to uh, incubate in. So it would be about 1 30th of the original flow of that water. And that's why we've engaged the, the different tribes and um, the, all of the different stakeholders so that they can, they can come together and discern for themselves, hey, is this a, a uh, useful and valuable and uh, appropriate use of that water? Um, if it's not, and, and, and I should mention, Dylan, that we intend to do this project in a two-stage uh, two-phase process. One would be a feasibility study that we would ask the state for support on to conduct a feasibility study, and uh, the second would be the capital project itself. And if the feasibility study comes back positive, then we'd ask that we uh, receive funding for the for the capital project, which would be a much larger, you know, ask to the state. But if the feasibility study comes back and says no, it's not possible, it doesn't work, there are all these complications, then we we'd uh, we'd stop. Um, we're not determined to do the hatchery at any cost. We're determined to do it if the best available mm. science says that it can be done. Doug Thomas is with us right now on The Farming Show. Of course, farming and fish recovery are intertwined and important to each other here in this community and in so many other places as well. And he's talking about a, a plan, an idea, a concept for a, a new fishery project that could really help change the situation with recovering uh, stocks of various fish. And, and is there a particular species that you're talking about targeting with this, Doug? Yeah, we would we would definitely have um, some king salmon in there. We'd have some uh, coho or silver salmon in there, and we would we'd probably have some 
chums, uh, substantial uh, number of chums, and possibly some pink salmon. Um, I, in the in the fisheries world um, and in the seafood market world, chum salmon are the easiest to raise. They're the most hardy. They can withstand different temperatures. They can withstand, uh, you know, they're they're just more robust, mm-hmm. and they're and they you can you can grow them in about seven months, whereas a king salmon or a coho take you know a year and a half to grow. And when you're growing a fish and it takes longer, it just takes more feed and more expense and more staffing and more space. And so those those are a little bit harder to grow. And I always think of uh, I always think of the chum salmon as kind of the football team on a college sports program, where the chum salmon really facilitates the tennis team and the volleyball team <laughs> and the and yeah. the and the and the swimming team and yeah. everything else. They got to have a good football season in order for the other programs <laughs> to receive funding. That's a good way to put it. I you like know. that. Um, and again, Doug Thomas is president and CEO of Bellingham Cold Storage, which works hand in hand with the seafood business in this region as well as the farming business. Imagine you guys are, are, are have been getting some fruit in there to the to the cooler <laughs> these days. Yeah, we have. We're we're uh, we're already pretty much through the strawberry season, and uh, raspberries are just starting, um, and then blueberries will be right around the corner. <laughs> I was going to ask you, but there might not be a way to tally how many millions of pounds of fruit between uh, raspberries, blueberries, strawberries, cranberries, <sighs> etc. You guys are going to have uh, sitting there in September, October, or at the same time, you know, coming from the farming community and, and growing up on a berry farm, you can hope that the buyers are chomping at the bit to to pull that stuff back out of cold storage and 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 get on with it as soon as sure. possible. Too, yeah. we, we don't like it when we have got fruit inventory sitting in the cooler all winter long <laughs> because that means sure, there's not yeah. checks coming in the door to pay us for it. Right? Yeah, uh, discreet uh, berry harvests and deliveries throughout the the summer and fall period um, often range somewhere between 60 and 80 million pounds depending on how the how the uh, you know how the harvest comes off and the effects of the late freeze this year and uh, pollination and the water and all the other things that go into determining what the what the yields are going to end up being so I know that's what my dad is just waiting to see on his little farm. And I know that that's what the big guys are waiting to. I mean, the proof is in the pudding and we can say, well, there was a lot of winter damage at first. It looked bad. And, and then, well, Hey, the plants actually bounced back pretty bad. bad. Maybe it's not as bad, but you really, you really never know for sure until that season is done. And you can tally up how much did we really get off of the bush back to this hatchery project. And again, we're talking with Doug Thomas uh, with Bellingham cold storage here on the farming show Dylan Honkoop with you here on KGMI News Talk 790. Um, By the way, our sponsor, Pape Kenworth Northwest, just uh, came to Bellingham and an awesome new location there on Iowa Street. Encourage you to check them out and when you do, uh, thank them for sponsoring and supporting this kind of conversation here on the radio in the morning talking about farming here on the farming show pape kenworth northwest uh doug you you build this hatchery you're talking about the water needs and and i i'm forgetting i i I had a question that i didn't ask you if you're bringing that water in from lake whatcom and and you need that to run a potential hatchery like you're proposing on bellingham waterfront if this again all shakes out um, yes, it's using a lot less water than the GP mill would back in the day, but it's still using a bunch of water. 
wasn't that supported by that diversion dam up on the middle fork of of the Nooksack River? And aren't they? It wasn't that just funded to take that out? And how does that all work together to to supply this water? Yeah, my understanding is there are a couple of different input points in Lake Watcom, and um, uh, so that may be the case for that uh, particular diversion dam. But I be- I, uh, I believe there are still uh, input input points into Lake Watcom that would be adequate for supplying this water. So ultimately, is this like a water rights question? And uh, because I know with the 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 former the history of of the GP site, then Bellingham has a huge water right technically you know the farming community we're accustomed to talking about water rights and things like that is that what that amounts to and and would that be what would have to be tapped into yeah that's a discussion with the city and the tribes and all of the stakeholders that'll Mm -hmm. have to be fleshed out um we 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 hope that uh common sense and and uh you know doing what's right and doing what's responsible will prevail and and all of those parties have a say and, and an opinion and and we should listen to them and then we should make a decision and if we if we come to the end of this thing and and uh we've got a roadblock that can't be overcome then uh we will we will go back to the drawing board and try to come up with a different solution but i i think it's really on us and this generation right now to try to do something to restore the fisheries in mm-hmm. the greater San Juan area. And, and if, and if we can't, or we won't, or we're just unwilling or whatnot, then that'll be our legacy. And yeah, we, will we yeah. let the hangups get away in right. the way of that main goal, which is That's more right. fish. And yes, there are a lot of other things that ideally various groups would like to have, but as the saying, how does the saying go? Uh, you can't let the perfect be the enemy of the real <laughs> of actually getting the yeah. job done. So, so I, I think, you know, we, we have an opportunity to, uh, leverage existing best practices in Alaska. Um, those folks in Alaska, Eric Prestigard, the executive director at Dipack Hatchery, a good friend of mine has been, so generous with his time. We flew uh, both the uh, director of fisheries and uh, Eric Prestigard, the hatchery manager, down to uh, the meeting at, at our training and technology center here at BCS here last month. And uh, we had uh, uh, dozens of people in the room um, from all different uh, stakeholder groups, and it was outstanding. And we'll have that same dissertation or presentation up in um uh, in Juneau here in a couple of weeks. And so they're really cheering for us. They mm. want us to be successful. They want to lend their expertise. They're willing to come and help. And I think what that does for us, it gives us optimism that the, they took maybe 20 years to get the momentum rolling, but they, they're self-aware and admitted that they had a few hiccups along the way that they wouldn't do the same way, and we can learn from some of their their uh, hiccups and not make those same mistakes and have a little bit more compressed successful time, um, where, whereby we achieve success in maybe 12 to 15 years rather than 20 to 22 years, and uh, hopefully uh, we're still around to see it be successful. Well, and, and if you look at the fisheries directly, and, and if you look at, uh, for instance, the, the southern resident orcas and, and the struggles that they're facing, this can't come soon enough. That's right. 
Yep, that's right. Time is of the essence, really, here. So, yeah, the, the quicker, obviously, the, like you said, this is a long haul. This, there's a lot of hurdles to get over, a lot of work to do. It doesn't happen overnight even to get it started. And then once you do, it takes a while for it to really hit that point. It sounds like that, that it's really moving the needle uh, in terms of recovering fish stocks. But we got to get there, and we got to get there fast, or at least yeah, as fast as yeah. we can. Yeah, no, you'd, you'd see fish stocks returning every year. It's just a matter of, if you're a sports fisherman out in the San Juans, you probably wouldn't see a meaningful difference for several years. And then all of a sudden, the, uh, you know, the multiplier effect just comes upon you at, at some point where it really starts to be noticeable and everyone starts saying, holy cow, there's a lot of fish out here. Uh, so we're, 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 we're really building now the, the, the cornerstones and the foundation for a longer term success. And we just, we're very aware that it's going to take a, a, a longer, uh, path than just, uh, next year having success all at once. Founding chairman of the San Juan area sea life, Doug Thomas is with us. He's also president and CEO part owner as well of Bellingham cold storage. We are again out of time. And, and so that's going to do it uh, for our conversation. I'm sure there's so much more stuff that we could get into. Doug, you, you only mentioned one person from the farming community involved. To me, that sounds a little weak. I think, I think the farming community can do better. And I think this, this really sounds like something the farming community can embrace. Do you have room for more people to get involved? We absolutely do. I know they're busy right now. We all are. But uh, if they could just attend a, a couple-hour meeting or send a representative from their from their uh, farm um, yeah. once a month, that would be great. And I think they'd get a lot out of it. Okay. Well, thank you so much for the work that you're doing on this in particular, as well as your advocacy for agriculture, uh, et cetera, and fish and the environment here in our community. Again, Doug Thomas. Um, uh, giving us a little bit of his time and, and a little piece of what he's working on right now here on the farming show. Uh, we really, really do appreciate it, Doug, and, and best of luck to you on all of this. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, Dylan.